What's up, guys? Our Wrestling Podcast back at you with another episode. This is Dave Vicious along with Just the Total Package, Craig the British Bulldog, the Nature Boy Joe, and Cuz is out this week, bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. Can someone feed me today's topic? Talk about the loose cannon, Dave. Ooh, he Brian is a loose cannon. Pillman. Former Cincinnati Bengal. Flying Brian. Trendsetters. Trendsetters. Flying. Trendsetters, Mr. Pillman. Uh, this is going to be good. For audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. Or watch our videos on YouTube at our wrestling channel. On social media, can you do us a solid and give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWP2019 or on Facebook meta at our wrestling podcast. Jess, what are we doing? I uh, I wrote this with the passion <laughs> and the emotion of a legacy. However, I don't want to betray my legacy uh, guidelines. Well, at least Cuz is not title. here to argue about it for six hours. Well, Cuz was right to a certain extent. I have to All admit right. it. I, I, I hate his stupid fucking face, but however... <laughs> Hey, by the way, I, I started that shit too. I'm I, I start I start the legacy battles too about legacy versus. Uh, no, and I, but I agree though that we should have a guideline. So my legacy guidelines are typically they need to at least win a version of the world heavyweight championship. However, Brian Pillman did not. But when I wrote this, I'm just telling you guys. When I wrote the notes, Tibbity typing, um, I had legacy in my mind. But this is going to be trendsetters, Brian Pillman, which he is a trendsetter. Yeah. We talked about it in our episode of the WCW Cruiserweight division, oh. Legacy of. However, um, I'm going to label this trendsetters, but my heart is with the Legacy. Don't worry. Because we'll Brian, not good enough. Yeah. Didn't know that before I started. Bye. All right. So, uh, <laughs> wow. I'm out. just walked off the set. <laughs> if you're not calling him a Legacy, I can't have it. I can't. And then I just look at Brian Pillman and he <laughs> oh, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. Did anybody notice that Dad Craig's wearing a Brody shirt as well? I love it. Yeah. He is. He is. Good stuff. All right, let's just jump right in. We got the early life of Mr. Pillman. Brian Pillman was born on May 22nd, 1962, to a Welsh mother named Mary. He had three sisters named Angie, Linda, and Susan, as well as a brother, Phil. His father died of a heart attack when Pillman was just three months old on August of 1962. As a child, Pillman developed multiple throat polyps and underwent between 31 and 36 operations to tend to them, many before the age of three. Due to his medical issues, Pillman spent a larger part of his early childhood in a hospital. It's why, but, and again, obviously this is obvious, but it's why he had the hoarse voice, the, I'm Brian Pillman! Like, we always noticed that when we were younger, and it's because he went through all this trauma when he was young. That's insane. Yeah. While attending Miami University at Oxford, Ohio, Pillman played football for the Redskins, now the Miami Red, Red Hawks, okay, as a defensive tackle. Wherever he said, yeah, you ever watch football and there's Miami and there's Miami of Ohio. Like when you watch the college football scores, this is Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio. He set the record for the tackles for lost category. So, uh, you know, Pillman was a player and and division one. He really was. Yep. Second team All American in his junior year and a division one All American in his senior year as a free agent and later the Canadian Football League for the Calgary Stampeders in 1986. Pillman also played for the Buffalo Bills in preseason action of 85. What? Say what? But he was, I don't know. I did. There's a Bills fan in the room. But he was last player cut before the start of the season. Um, Pillman no. and John Harbaugh, the current head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, were roommates and defensive teammates 
while at Miami. I love those stories of like roommates. Like it's like Terry Bradshaw and I love how wrestling connects with football. Yes, wrestling's inside of you, fuckers. Fuck you. So John wrestling's everywhere, you bitches. Fucking Brian Pillman, motherfuckers. Just just hanging out. (laughs) Wrestling's stupid and fake and phony. Fuck you. It's it's in your football shit. It's in everything. Jess, you're getting really upset. Fuck you, Dave. It's in- <laughs> <laughs> it, it, and I'm just going to put it back on record. Um, a couple episodes back, you can check it out in the archives. Uh, Jess did call me a hooker. For those yeah. Oh, fuck you, hooker. <laughs> I think I, if I can, I'll decode what Jess is trying to say. But it, it's very yeah. much, it's, um, there's a difference between people who have played team sports and people who haven't played team sports. And I think that and people are stupid in- for not liking pro wrestling. You're stupid. You're Perfect. all stupid. Sorry. It's sorry. It, 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 it it's in business and in life. Anyone that has worked in a team sport and in that dynamic realizes the importance of it. Politics. How is politics nowadays not connected to pro wrestling? It's all connected to right. pro wrestling. And Good guys, football, bad guys. You hear it all the time. <laughs> the show? Football and wrestlers <laughs> yeah. shared a room together in college or football. And there is something to like wrestling is an individual sport, but yet it's also a team sport. And the fact that some of the best wrestlers happen to be football players and come from that world, which I I don't think is a mistake or, or we should remiss uh, in that. But like for John Harbaugh, the coach of the fucking Ravens to still, and be the guy that coached with Pillman, like, I would hope Pillman is still here and he's not, but like, it's kind of cool. Like you hear those stories. Yeah. No, I, I dig it, bro. I dig it. I mean, the rock was a pretty good football player. Just saying who he was all right. No, I never, heard I never, heard <laughs> that guy. you talking about yeah. Prince. I I heard of Warren Sapp though, who started above the rock <laughs> in Miami. So uh-huh. just saying, um, following the end of his football career, Pillman remained in Canada and began training as a wrestler under Stu Hart and his sons. That's how you get started right there. He debuted in November of 1986 in Hart's Calgary-based Shit, wrestling. It's promotion. why he was part. We're going to get to it. It's why he was part of the Hart Foundation in 97. He was a part of the Hart family in a sense. Like, he trained in the dungeon. So many people. I didn't know that before he started. He was getting stretched, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah when, he started, awesome. when he started in, you know, whatever, in 89, 90. I had no idea that uh, that he had that that connection. Sheep Khan is almost out on his feet. Look at this move, Pillman! Oh, he catches him. That's it. One, two, three. It's all over. Your winner's bad company. A sensational move off the top ropes by Flying Brian Pillman. But I guess if you came yeah. out of, I guess uh, you know, for the most part, if you came out of Canada, that's where you went. But. Yeah. When's the first time that you all heard of the Heart Dungeon? Was it Beyond the Mat or uh, the when the I Bret trained Hart? in no. it? Um, or what I was the Bret Hart documentary? It wasn't Beyond uh, the Mat. It was uh, no. It's way before that. Um, monsoon all the time in the eighties and late eighties. Monsoon always, even on primetime wrestling, when Bret Hart as part of the Hart finish would be wrestling, he'd be like Stu Hart in the Dungeon. I always remember Gorilla Monsoon because again, I grew up on WWF product. In late eighties, always talking about the dungeon. That's when yeah. I first heard about. But it. when did you first the, the what? What was the documentary with the audio from the dungeon of Stu stretching everything? Uh, it was wrestling, wrestling with shadows. shadows. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, wasn't it uh, Owen that recorded it from upstairs and yes, yes. Getting yeah. and that's when it was like 
This yeah. wasn't a wrestling school. And it was Owens a, fu- giggling it was a fucking he, basement he with wooden fucking... It was fucking... a legit torture chamber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With it old man Stu, miserable, just stretching people. Like, you yeah. think you're going to die? You're going <laughs> to die. You like think you can't I breathe. I would not you advise you to take die. a big breath here. I would advise you to take shallow breath. Only oh, playing yeah, for the Bengals? That's, that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He you never like stretched it. He was just like, talking about. You like to wear these little trunks, do you? Well, let me. Did, did this ever? I'll show you a little trunks. Really tired of all you football players field? coming in trying to be wrestlers. I'm gonna kill. I'm gonna kill. I'm not gonna you. touch you, but man, the Bengals are bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough torture right there. Do you, want, do you want a hug because you played for the Cincinnati? Really? <laughs> Unfortunately, they still have not won a Super Bowl even mm. this year. Oh, you want a Sodi pop? They were a lot closer this year. They're, they're going to get there. God. Joe, Joe's up to something. After finishing with Stampede, Pillman worked briefly in 1989 for New Japan Pro Wrestling, where he wrestled. All the, the greatest matches. wrestlers went to New Japan. Yeah, just saying. Masa Saito, Tatsumi Fuchinami, <laughs> Black Cat, Naoki Sano, as well as tag <laughs> matches with Big Van Vader. Did I say them all wrong? Craig or did I, I, no, I, I, I appreciate the attempt. That's what I'm <laughs> team, Did I fuck him up? Big did I fuck him up? But like, in the middle he, of it, you're like, Black cat <laughs> and black cat. Um, and at the end of that, by the way, he teamed with Vader. I did not know that either. That's yeah, so Brian fun. Pillman teamed with Vader. <clears throat> that should that should have continued. Uh, sure. WWE Hall of Famer celebrate. We did a legacy on him like a year ago. Yeah, and we asked why is he not in the hall? We're not up, trying to say it, it's the reason that it happened, but it probably it is the reason. In 1989, Pillman returned to the United States and began wrestling for World Championship Wrestling, where he was known as Flying Brian due to his athletic ability. Flying Brian. Flying Brian. My and God. And a variety Flying of Bengals. Miami Ohio Red Hawk. <laughs> he was one of the first American wrestlers, along with beautiful Bobby Eaton, to incorporate a variety of Mexican Lucha Libre moves into his arsenal. He also held a short-lived WCW Light Heavyweight Championship twice between October of 91 and February of 92, feuding with Brad Armstrong, Jushin Thunder Liger, Richard Morton, and Scotty Flamingo. Um, I know we talked about that in a past episode or whatever. Jushin Thunder Liger, Jess, I will have to murder you. What? Pardon me? I don't know. I'm just saying stuff. When someone threatens my life with murder, I want to know why. (laughs) I want to know why. Because uh, Jushin shouldn't even be talked about. Jess speaks, you shut your fucking mouth, Dave. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you a Scotty Flamingo fan, Craig? This and, yeah. uh, I'm the a big Scotty Flamingo, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't let anyone disparage Scotty How dare you? We talked you? about this in the uh, uh, legacy of the WCW Cruiserweight division. Uh, he yep. Before the Cruiserweight division, there was the incarnation of the light heavyweight championship here. And him and Jushin Liger tore the house down. Brian Pillman was a big part of it. You know, we talked about this before about how we didn't appreciate him before that. We saw him in feuds with Luger. We saw him in feuds with uh, Flair. He tagged with Sting and El Gigante. And we, so we knew who Brian Pillman was, but not until the creation of the light heavyweight championship in 91 did we just go, oh, it fucking hit us like a ton of bricks. We're like, oh, he's fucking really talented. Before then, I always thought he was just like this high flying guy or whatever not really realizing what he was doing and what, the message he was trying to get across. Then you see this light heavyweight division. You see Liger come in and we're like, oh my God, Bill Pillman is like this, this gem, like this guy that he's is, good. Ended up being kind of a bridge, like, which is why I want him to be a trendsetter here. He's the bridge between 
that kind of wrestling into the cruiserweight, into smaller guys getting confident to where they can be like, we want to be on the same level that the other guys are. You don't yeah. have to be heavyweights. You just have to learn how to wrestle a certain style. The rest, American wrestling audience has to learn how to uh, digest your style. And I think Pillman was in the beginning stages of that, of teaching American wrestling fans, it's okay. You can fly a little bit. You can do a lot of stuff. And and, jo and yeah. Jess, you've complimented think, Joe, telling Joe being the NWA and the guy who got I don't, us into no, I don't, NWA I've never and WCW. But I'm not sure, and, and Joe, um, feel free to talk about Pillman. I'm not sure we appreciated Pillman in the NWA, WCW days in his beginnings. I did, he, I did not, I'll be out. honest. I, I, did I would say 100% we didn't, and I think it was just how he was marketed. So many so many times, both in WWF and WCW, you know, you get a new guy, he's good looking, he's got the, he's got the you know, the that look. And they and they always shove them down our throats as like white meat baby face, you know, right, where they're yeah. just like, "Hey guys, I'm super," you know, like I'm super good guy and like <laughs> high five in the crowd. What's up, guys? Like, yeah, everybody and like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna like high five the girls and kiss babies and you know and it's like yeah. it was you know I remember watching it. I'm like, ugh, another one of these yeah. guys. Like, I don't think we did appreciate it. We did appreciate it. So yeah, that image good, over good overshadowed his talent uh, at the yeah. beginning. Eventually, we, you know, we started to see it. You know. Even in matches, you know, especially with matches like Luger, we're like, oh, this was, this is awesome. I wasn't expecting yeah. that. I mean, we even, I think what we did, they, uh, uh, I think it's in the archives, uh, maybe a Starcade or a Clash of Champions where him, like Luger and him uh, have a match. And I remember it starting out, I'm like, oh, Pillman. And then I'm watching, I'm like, oh, I forgot. He's, this is actually really good. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. a lot of good things coming too. Because it was all new. I mean, it was, it was, it was new, the exciting to watch. Yeah. So hopefully we expand on this next because it's only one sentence and I think there's a lot more that can be said here. But in 1993, Pillman would form the Hollywood Blondes with Steve Austin and win the WCW Unified Tag Team Championship. They were not um, supposed to be a thing. They were not supposed to. I, Dusty yeah. Rhodes actually promised Austin like a U.S. title run and then came back and was like, no, you know, I think we're just going to we were just going to put you with Pillman. We're just going to do that. And he was like, but I thought you said that we were going to do I was going to be the greatest ever. I know what like, you no, thought I said, but I said what I said I'm going to say. Yeah. Me. And so they took two guys like Pillman. <laughs> they, they didn't know what to do with Pillman and they didn't know what to do with Austin. They put them together and Pillman. Austin even admits this was the positive guy. Austin was like, this is bullshit. I'm like, I don't want to do this. And Pillman's like, no, man, we can do it. Let's do it. Let's wear matching tights. Let's do this. And Pillman like changed it Austin's like attitude. Worked. Like Pillman taught Austin, like, you know what? Listen, they might give you shit, but let's just learn how to eat shit and like make it like something that we can do. And they fucking started wearing matching tights. They started doing everything. They won the title. They did the camera yeah. thing. I, they did I swear to God, I've said like, it a thousand times on this podcast. I've said it a thousand times that you're tired of me saying it. Like, I fucking think when you did a move and you stunned somebody and then you filmed them with that <laughs> is one of the most brilliant things in wrestling. It's amazing. And I yeah. fucking loved every second of it. And it was all it was all Pillman. It was him telling Austin, like, no, let's do this together. Like, let's. They, th this is what they're giving us. Let's do it. So they did the matching vest, like behind Craig and behind yeah. Joe, and they did the whole matching vest. And they did this thing, and they were not they were not meant to do what they did. And they won the unified WCW Tag Team Championships. They fought like top guys, like they were awesome together. It was awesome, like and. I was 
Pillman become the tag team champions of the world, and the champs are here on WCW Saturday night. Tony, what we've just witnessed is the storybook beginning of the greatest tag team this sport has ever seen. This epic battle with Steamboat and Douglas marks the genesis of the next great dynasty in professional sports, the Hollywood Blondes, the people's champions, the last beacon of hope for the wretched refuse all across this country. And let me encourage all you pathetic souls, come on down, buy a ticket, let us enrich your lives and give you a brush with greatness. I was telling the Hollywood Joe Blondes, man, what a big part of that, that, that team was a great and, team to watch. Yeah. Yeah, and so when they yeah. want when they when they walked out to the ring, they wore chains around their necks because Hollywood get it. And Pillman gave Austin a gift here, wear this chain. And after Pillman died, Austin, even as Stone Cold, wore the chain in honor of Brian Pillman. Uh, oh no, the, shit! That thing, yeah, that he was the guy. He was the guy that guided me. He was the guy that showed me that. Dude, wow! Take a deep breath. Take what they give you. Take the ringmaster, right? Take everything, take it all, and then you're gonna you're gonna emerge. You're gonna find your voice. And like Brian Pillman taught Austin that. Brian Pillman I did, was I never a knew huge that. pillar. Incredible. Yeah, you Austin know. talked about that in his book and on his things that he wore the gold chain around his neck because Pillman gave it to him, and so he wore it for a long time. Even as Stone Cold, you see all the shit. There's a famous poster where Austin's walking through like a warehouse and fire. He's got the That's, vest on, the, and the jeans on. Yeah, he I has the, the chain. chain. It's Brian. It's the chain that Brian Pillman gave him as Hollywood Blondes. That's awesome. Wow. It's awesome. It's awesome. In 1995, great story. great story. In 1995, Pillman created the loose cannon persona that would cultivate a reputation for unpredictable behavior. During this period of time, Pillman changed his once Hollywood blonde and flying Brian clean athletic look. Flying Brian. Edgy, out of control image. Pillman frequently blurred fact and fiction with his worked shoots. I'm not Hogan. I'm not Savage. I'm not Sting. I'm Brian Pillman. And don't you ever forget it. And I have a dream. And that is to teach you and everybody else respect. And I'll do whatever it takes. Even if I gotta hack your thumbs up. Easy, Pillman. In a match with Eddie Guerrero on January 23rd of 1996, episode of Clash of Champions. Oh my, 32. 32. Real quick. 32. Pillman grabbed commentator Bobby Heenan by the collar, causing <laughs> Heenan, who had a history of neck problems, to blurt out, What the F are you doing live on air? Um, if you can get Bobby Heenan to break, you're doing something. I right? will never forget that. If I can find that sound and put it in, Heenan uh, legitly on the air. He's like, What the fuck are you doing? Because Heenan made it clear to every talent, like, My neck sucks. Don't, Don't touch, touch it. Me. Yeah, don't touch it. And so he and got Pillman, a, Pillman went out there. The and guy's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" It, this was legit. Like Dave's gonna read on too. Pillman convinced Bischoff that I'm gonna be this new hybrid of wrestler where I'm gonna kind of like shoot, but you're not gonna know if I'm shooting. You're not gonna know if it's work. You're not gonna know if it's shoot. And he did it successfully. And Dave's gonna read on where he gets out of his Pulls contract back the Oscar curtain, with bro. WCW. But really, how ahead of the game was Pillman here? He was. Yeah, this edgy wrestler that we would end up liking in Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and Hogan and then NWO or or CM Punk later on. Yeah, CM Punk later on. You saw here in the loose cannon. Pillman was I didn't appreciate it here because, again, it was ahead of its time. It really was. Nobody knew 
very few people like Paul Heyman knew it because Paul Heyman brought him in ECW like Dave will read on here where he's like, dude, I got to get this guy in here. Like this guy's amazing. Yeah. Like he's awesome. Like so and we never appreciated this. I, yeah. I find this hilarious because we all, I don't know, we don't hate Kevin Sullivan as a person. We just, I do. No, we do. Okay. Yeah, no, right. we do. Yeah. Speak for yourself, <laughs> Kevin Sullivan as a booker during the February 1996 Super Bowl six pay-per-view in an I respect you strap match. Where the loser announced that they respect the other wrestler, much like an I quit match. Pillman lost to Sullivan after Pillman grabbed the microphone and said to Sullivan, I respect, respect you, Booker, Booker Man. man. Jet has a wireless microphone. And yeah. I don't think this is what Aretha Franklin meant. You, Booker Man. Oh, he said, I respect you. Thank you. And he walked. And he walked out. And he walked. He said, I respect you, and he walked out. Wow. So Kevin Sullivan, the Taskmaster, will win it. This was, was huge. Like, it, the, the, no, the match was only like a minute going. Like, it was a minute long, and he just, he started no-selling the straps. Like, uh, Sullivan was strapping him, and he just stood up, and he looked at Sullivan. He's like, I respect you, Booker Man. And he laughed, yeah. and he rolls outside the ring. And in the and world like, of, of, dirt, of like, yeah. dirt sheets, and when uh, you used to get it emailed to you, like it was real shit. Like we were fully invested. This was this was on the level of the pipe bomb. Of yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. It broke the it well, broke kind of it, yeah it broke, it broke, broke that wall, fourth yeah. wall for us. Yeah, whether it was whether it was a work shoot or not, like we were fully invested at this point in in Pillman. Yeah. Yeah. The next day after Super Bowl six, Pillman was fired by WCW Eric. I'm sorry, Eric WCW bye bye, bye bye, Eric Bischoff. Would have had to Jess. In Bischoff's <laughs> autobiography, he said that Pillman was fired so that he can go and develop the loose cannon gimmick in ECW and then return to WCW with more legitimate heat. Bischoff claims it was a plan he and Pillman came up with together. He it would later backfire on Bischoff as Pillman did not return. No, Pillman outsmarted Bischoff, yeah, and said, "Don't worry, it's all planned. Really, release me from my contract, and I'll come back." Because people are gonna be, and he just left. He okay. left. Like he wanted out of WCW contract. He tricked Bischoff, and to this day, Bischoff's like, "No, we were totally cool. We were on the level." It's like, no, he fucked you. No, he tricked he you. He left. If like, you were yeah. on the level, you would have came. So back. basically, Pillman came to Bischoff and said. I want to do a character that's like I'm I'm kind of leaving the company and you should fire me for real. As a matter of fact, even to fool the dirt sheet guys, you should really fire me in real life. Sever my contract. And Bischoff's like, you're a genius. And he severed yeah, his contract. And that. Someone's like, yeah, I'm totally gone. Bye. And just left. <laughs> like, yeah, totally yeah, I think he said like that to, like, to his bye. The bye. And he went to ECW and then signed, as Dave said. Actually, it was more like, bye. Bye. More like a whisper. Immediately I, following his departure I, from the being Brian Pillman returned to, to ECW and appeared at the promotion's annual internet convention, ECW Cyber Slam. That's a what? Crisis. That sounds so horrible. It sounds amazing. <laughs> Everything's fine. Do you guys remember ECW Cyber Slam? That was on February yes. 17th. Yes, I do. Oh, it's, a, it's a Matt uh, classic. He said, <laughs> I don't like you, Booker Man. Booker Man. During an interview conducted by in the ring by Joey Styles, Pillman insulted Bischoff. Oh, calling, oh my God. What? It's my call, Joyce calling Joyce. him a commentator, a gopher, and a piece of shite. Haven't you heard? <laughs> I like you a 
was an announcer. You know why? Because I just had an announcer in Atlanta, Georgia. Take away my constitutional rights. I have been fired by Eric Bischoff. That's not nice. Why do you edit yourself, you bitch? Sorry. I, I don't know. He turned his attention to the ECW audience. You want to know why? Because uh, you're the voice of reason and keep doing it. Go on. Yeah, okay. I, I love you too. Uh, we're actually calling him Smart Marks. <laughs> oh, Smart Marks. There's a good one. I think that's probably everybody in this room. A bunch of Smart Marks. On April 15th of 1996, Pillman was badly injured after falling asleep while driving his Hummer H1 in Kentucky <laughs> and driving into a tree truck. Sometimes you work it. yourself into a shoot. There it is. And he flipped the vehicle. <laughs> and you fall asleep. He was in a coma for a week and suffered a shattered ankle, forcing doctors to fuse it together in a Everything's fine. walking position. Thus forcing Pillman <laughs> to, to abandon his previous high fine wrestling style for a more grounded style. Everything's fine. No, it's good. It's, it's fine. fine. It'll be, it'll be fine. fine. He has tons it's of leverage shoot. when he jumps to you. It's all a shoot. Eric Bischoff is He's just a. Pillman. Then signed a contract with the WWF. You were in the Hummer. I was in the Hummer. I'm Brian Pillman. June 10th of 1996 is when Pillman signed with WWF with the signing announced in a press conference. Shut the hell up! Hendricks, give me that mic. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Bozo. Look, I'll be glad to go around. Just get over here. You'll do what I say. You're the prop here. I'm the star. I want you to sit down. I think this press conference is now... Brian Pillman's press conference, and we're really going to find out what all you yes-men, what all you obsequious lapdogs that are telling Monsoon and Dylan what they want to hear, when they want to hear it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the loose cannon is here. He was the second wrestler to sign a guaranteed contract with the WWF after Mark Merrow, um, indicated with the period in which Vince McMahon began to protect the company from abruptly losing talent to WCW with Luger, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall all previously doing so. Pillman acted as a commentator while recovering from his broken ankle, transitioning to a wrestling role after attacking an unruly fan during an episode of WWF Superstars on June 29th, 1996 in Detroit. What's well, Detroit? So that, that's bound to happen. Was that like a real fan or a plant or what was that? Yeah, it was a, it was a plant. Okay. <clears throat> it's all shoot people. It's all work shoot. See, I'm such a smart. Oh, such a smart. <laughs> After WrestleMania 13, Pillman returned and aligned himself with his real life close friends, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, the British Bulldog, and Jim Neidhart. As it's part, part of, of the Hart Foundation, man. Heart the Foundation. Hart Foundation. Yep. Churning uh, Pillman Hill, all of whom he was familiar with from his stampede wrestling stretching roots. He began feuding with his former partner, Steve Austin. Um, this is highly underrated, uh, the feud that goes on here. But after the famous, feud, gu- Austin, the famous gun angle. My God. Where he had the gun. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And then oh, you, you, you cut the static. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yep. After his feud with Austin, he feuded with Goldust over Marlena until his death. Pillman lost to Goldust at SummerSlam, in which Pillman was forced to wear a dress during his matches for a month. 
Pillman then challenged Goldust again to a match with two stipulations. If Pillman had won, he would take Marlena away from Goldust to be his personal assistant for 30 days. But if Goldust won, Pillman would leave the WWF for the rest of his life. Pillman defeated Goldust at In Your House 17 Round Zero. It turned out to be his final WWF pay-per-view appearance. October 5th, 1997, Pillman was scheduled to wrestle Dude Love at the WWF pay-per-view In Your House 18, Bad Blood. Steve Austin relayed that Jim Cornette was instructed to find the whereabouts of Pillman. Jim contacted the budgeted motel in Bloomington, Minnesota, where Pillman had stayed the previous night and was told by the receptionist that Pillman was found dead in his hotel room by the maids earlier that day at 1.09 p.m. Central Time. He was only 35 years 35. old. 35. God damn it. autopsy attributed Pillman's death to a heart attack. God damn it. And they found out by the maids. He was late, and, in, and Austin was like, Hey, Jim, get the fuck over here, you idiot. And he's like, I'm sorry. Fucking... <laughs> Go find Pillman. Pillman's missing. And he goes and finds him, and the maid fucking tells him, Oh, yeah, fuck. We were cleaning his room today. Yeah. And like, he's Well, we dead. found that guy. Like, fuck. Yeah. Like, the, one oh, of the blonde one of the guy most... with the Bengal tights? Yeah, he's fucking oh, dead. Oh, God. Brian Pillman, he's yeah. dead, I think. I'm not sure. Still feels too like, soon. But... <laughs> 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 I'm not like fun of Pillman. I was making fun of like, the way they found him. Like They found out that Pillman was dead after the fact. Like Afterwards, like, oh, that guy? Oh, yeah, he's dead. You know? Like, yeah, no, we didn't know. That's why we're fucking calling you. Like, the guy's late to his fucking job, and we're calling yeah. you to ask you where he it's is. It's just oh, so yeah, sad. Yeah, it was a, a, bu- a budget motel. Like, there's nothing yeah. more low rent than. Yeah. I, it's all about saving money, and they all did back then, but like, it's such a different world. Like, you think it's glamorous. You think they're millionaires. It's, it's fucking $40 a night budget motels yeah. the yeah. night before the pay per view. Yeah. Yeah. And it's rough, man. I mean,. You know, it's. Uh, I hate it. I really hate it. I hate that we're talking about this. I hate that they found out that way. I hate that with him, like people like him and Eddie Guerrero, are found dead in their room, and yeah. we have to say goodbye that way. We we have to look back and say goodbye like this, and it sucks. Like because these guys were like literally like like visionaries. Like they were guys that saw beyond. I mean, trying to convince Bischoff to fire him from his contract is really funny. But at the same time, it's like that that's so innovative. Like that's yeah. so like he was always thinking and Jim Ross to the, to this day on his podcast will talk about how Pillman was impatient. Like because he was always like cranking his brain. He was always like, why don't I do always, this? I want to do that. Calm down. Let, let's do this. Let's let you, you know, let, let's, let's do this character. Let's let you do. Let's let you season like this. Let's let the audience get over. And Pillman's like, no, no, no. And he's just, uh, you know, same thing with Austin. Austin's like, oh, it's bullshit. I can't believe we're fucking the Hollywood blah. And he's like, no, let's fucking calm down. Let's match. Let's make a tag team name. What do you think? 
Hollywood say, blondes. Yeah, we're both blonde hair. Like, yeah. huh? They're, they're, they're huh? just going to be Austin and Pillman. Yeah. That's going to be their name. And and Pillman had the foresight to calm everybody down and be like, let's just fucking do it, man. Let's, yeah. Let, let's it's think bullshit, of a good right? name. Let's try yeah, something. Let's think of let's a good name. Something. And I, I, it, it we're, and then we're talking about him. They died in a budget motel. Fuck. Why? Like, Eddie Guerrero, why? Why are we saying goodbye to you in that fashion? Why is your genius not carrying on? Can you imagine if Pillman and, and Eddie Guerrero were alive today teaching the younger guys? Like, fucking Could ridiculous. You, you don't think those guys would be in NXT right now? Or AEW, for that matter? Like, are you yeah. kidding me right now? Like, come on. Brian yeah. Pillman's son. His <clears throat> son. Like, yep. it, it's crazy. It's It sucks. It's sad. It sucks. A lot. Uh, just looking at some influence on the industry. Pillman found success early with the WCW. Light no, he didn't. Oh, he did. Yeah, you're right. You wrote this. Mother. Uh, you're uh, fair enough. His style of wrestling had a great impact on American wrestling, especially in the WCW Cruiserweight division in the mid 1990s. Yes. No, the that's loose... not true. You piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, dumb fuck. Oh, you're the right. The loose cannon gimmick God, was literally your voice. where the business was headed and enjoyed its largest boom period. Again, trendsetter is probably the most. Um, what, what did Austin's character become? Tell me that Austin wasn't influenced by a Brian Pillman tricking Eric Bischoff into getting him out of his contract. And that those those promos, where everybody, CW, everybody wanted the where he cussed like in the day, right? where he was cussing. And Joey Styles like, what are you guys? Oh, you piece of shit. You stupid fuck. Like, to, and Joey Styles like, oh, my God, like in ECW, <laughs> they made they made Pillman's character even offensive for ECW. If yeah. you could even imagine that. Tell me how he didn't influence Stone Cold, who yep. eventually became like, don't trust anybody. Fuck you. Fuck authority. Fuck all this stuff. Like, that was Brian Pillman. He just couldn't. He got into the Humvee accident. He shattered his ankle. Like, it was just, there was a lot of bad things that happened or whatever. He got he got hooked on pills, unfortunately. And probably yeah. before that, he did a lot of steroids that it, it enabled his heart to get too enlarged. And he had a heart attack. And that sucked. It fucking sucks, man. Like, well, there's, but and those two, ba I mean, t talking about him as a, as a trendsetter, I think is 100% like, like appropriate and accurate. I think right. that like, well, I think that like, I mean, he has two major influences. He has, he has like, he was, a, he was definitely ahead of his time in terms of like the cruiserweight, cruiserweight style, you know, in the land, uh, you know, even, uh, even being outside of the WWF, even being in WCW, which wasn't necessarily the land of the giants, you still, you know, that was still the focus. It was Luger. It was Hawk and animal. It was the Steiners, it was all these big, huge guys. And here yeah. comes Pillman wrestling, a new style, wrestling, a different style, um, and being kind of a smaller guy that, you know, he was essentially five years, five years too early. You know, and, and then you fast fast forward that five years, and he's he's five years early again because he essentially creates. Right. He has he to abandon creates, the cruiserweight division because he shattered yeah. his ankle, so he can't wrestle that style anymore. Right. So now I'm going to make a character that I'm going to lose cannon, and he's early again. You're uh, yeah. Joe. That is um, that's You're right on. So it, fantastic. You know? Yeah, that's right. He on essentially it. creates. He you know he's like he's like a precursor to Stone Cold. He's 100 percent a precursor to to CM Punk for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, and a variety of others along the way. That, that, uh, Check out the Nature you, Boy with his finger on the pulse. Boop. Finger on the pulse, Joe. You got Boop. it. Nailed it. Craig, close us out, man. Huh? What? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, dude, um, ahead of his time. Uh, burned out. Uh, it's all just cliches, but uh, burned out too soon. Um, yeah. And he to burn uh, out or to pushed uh, Stone Cold to be the guy he could be. Um, 
he was just always a step behind, just always just a couple months or years behind what could have been. Or a step like, ahead, Craig? Yeah. No, no. Uh, he, he was great. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of Vice documentaries about him, uh, which paints him in a bad light, uh, which, I mean, let's be, let's be frank. Uh, a lot of wrestlers aren't great dudes. Um, and Pillman had his demons, and everything you do from gym to traveling – for the sport you love and uh, for your job and career. Like he was no exception, but like just, he's so, just so funny. And he was so good at what he did looking at Dave's picture on uh, and, and Jess's picture behind him, his crazy eyes. And from the very beginning, you saw him with the Bengals tights where he was just a traditional kind of high flyer and you loved it. And post-accident reinvented himself with the loose cannon and how he kept us all guessing. Like he was always out of the curve. Like he really truly was a trendsetter and I truly wish he was here and I see him in his son's eyes. Um, and I want to see him succeed and I want to see the Pillman junior name, like keep going and succeed. I really, really do. Your dad would be very proud. Um, and he was a great dude, uh, and a fantastic fucking worker. That that's my, like my thoughts on Pillman. So, and I didn't include this too. And usually in trendsetters, I put the matches like there's so many good matches for Pillman uh, against Lex Luger at Halloween Havoc 1989. Pillman now crawls right back into the ring. Oh, Luger just can't even get up. Devastated by those chops and blows from Brian Bryan. Pillman now on the second rope. Luger wide open. Ooh. I think Pillman's making a mistake here. I know he's irate, and I know he wants to kill Luger, but he's got to wrestle this big guy. Uh, was a very good one um, against Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, the Hollywood Blondes. Um, at Clash of the Champions. Oh, June shit. That's 16th. a great match. Yeah. yeah, June 16th. Two out of three falls. Uh, Hollywood Blondes against Anderson and Flair. Uh, June 16th, 1993, Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, against Steve Austin when they split up. August 18th, Clash of the Champions, 1993. Another great match. Um, even though it's silly, his feud with Goldust where he had to wear the dress after or whatever, only Brian Pillman can wear that dress and pull it off and then finally win the match and get Marlena like in his uh, on his side or whatever. And he did some bedroom vignettes where he was like, you know, it doesn't age well now, but he's uh, making Marlena, you know, be romantic with him and stuff like that. Like, again, I'm not, you know, that doesn't age well now. However, it was very ahead of its time. It was part of his WWF because he couldn't do a lot in the WWF after the Humvee accident. So he had to really rely on this character. Um, There's so many things that Brian Pillman did uh, great. Uh, so many stuff in WCW, his tag teaming with uh, Tom Zink. Uh, they were the U.S. tag team champions. Like, they, they just... A lot of really cool stuff that Pillman did before and after wrestling realized that, oh, my God, cruiserweights are valuable. They are valuable or like heavyweights, whatever you want to talk to him. His matches against uh, Jushin Liger. Come on. You know, like that was awesome. Uh, Brian Pillman, I did not appreciate him at the time. I really appreciate him now. So, yeah, that's my feeling. There you go. We'll just have to leave it there. For audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. Or watch our videos on YouTube at our wrestling channel. On social media, can you give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWP2019? 
or on Facebook Meta at Our Wrestling Podcast for Craig, Jess, huh? Joe. This is Dave with the OWP signing off. Have a good one.